Good morning. I hope you have a good evening last night. I hope you had a good sleep as well. At least some sleep. Pastor Caroline told me that she only had 30 minutes sleep. So it might, for the first time, fall asleep in the service. Well, the late President of the United States of America, Richard Nixon, well known for the Watergate scandal, uh, once declared in a speech that the greatest moment in human history was when man walked on the moon. And shortly afterwards, the late Billy Graham corrected him and said, no, the greatest moment in history was not when man walked on the moon, but when God walked on the earth. And this is Christmas, and Christmas precisely is to remember that God actually came to us. And over the last couple of weeks, we have been looking at four names prophesied by Isaiah 700 years before Jesus was born. And in his prophecy, he said that this Messiah that will be born, his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And this is the entire verse of it. He said, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Those who live in the dark land, the light will shine on them. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And we've been working through the last three names, and today, in the time that's allocated to me, I'd like to touch on the name Prince of Peace. You know, of all the four names that was given there, prophesied by Isaiah, I think the hardest to see and experience in our world may be Prince of Peace. If Jesus is really the Prince of Peace, he doesn't seem to be ruling with much authority or dominion. And after all, we, we continue to see wars, we continue to see destruction, death at every turn, and the peace Jesus offers seems to be a slippery reality, if it's any reality at all. So it probably seems like a, a bit of a, a fairy tale story. Maybe we can believe the stuff about angels, maybe even the stuff about Messiah, but peace on earth uh, is a little bit hard to grasp when Isaiah prophesies that the Messiah come will bring peace on earth. And each time when we write Christmas card, peace, joy, and love always appears in the card, and we wish for that. And yet, in reality, we kind of don't feel that, don't see that happening in the world. More than 50 years ago, the former Secretary General of the United Nations, a Burmese guy by the name of Mr. Yu Tent, he addressed 67 scholars and statesmen on the requirements for world peace. So he almost like having a conference with these 67 statesmen and scholars. What can we do to actually promote world peace? And this is what he said to the 67 scholars and statesmen. This is what he said. He said, what element is lacking so that with all our skill 
and all our knowledge, we still find ourselves in the dark valley of discord and enmity. What is it that inhibits us from going forward together to enjoy the fruits of human endeavor and to reap the harvest of human experience? Why is it that for all our professed ideals, our hopes and our skills, peace on earth is still a distant objective, seen only dimly through the storms and turmoils of our present difficulties? Now, that was uttered more than 50 years ago. And now in 2022, more than 50 years later, knowledge, skill, technology have grown exponentially over the last 50 years. And yet, and yet, as what Yutan said, peace on earth is still a distant objective, seen only dimly through the storms and turmoils of our present difficulties. So how do you square that from the scripture and our life experience, a reality? Well, one way to see is maybe we define peace wrongly. Maybe we define peace wrongly. Most people don't understand that peace is a positive concept. The way that most of us define peace is from the negative way, is the absence of war, absence of conflict, absence of friction. That's how we often define peace, isn't it? When we say after the Christmas, when the kids are back to school, we have a, holiday, we have a kind of peace when there's no one in us. So we always define peace as, as the, a negative way of absence, absence of trouble, absence of conflict, the cessations of war. Uh, but the Hebrew Bible uses a familiar but significant word, shalom, that we, we are very familiar with. It means peace, but the connotation is always positive. In the Bible, peace is a positive force. It signifies the presence of all that is good and wonderful. It bears the idea of wholeness and overall well-being of a person. So when you say to someone, Shalom or peace unto you, or the Muslim like to say, alaikum, peace be upon you, it means I hope you have all the highest good coming your way. That is the meaning of peace. I hope you have all the highest good coming your way. So when two Jews meet together, uh, at, apart from each other, they will say, Shalom, peace. But they mean more than, may you have no battles. He was wishing another more than the absence of trouble, but all that made for a complete whole life. It is a desire for all of the goodness that God can give, a total well-being for mind and heart and body. And so when, therefore, God's peace is not narrowly defined. It is much more than the absence of strife. It encompasses all of the goodwill and the good things of that person. So in that sense, biblical peace is unrelated to circumstances. It is a goodness of life that is not touched by what happens on the outside. You may be in the midst of great trials and you can still experience biblical peace. So when Jesus said, when Isaiah prophesied that Jesus is going to be the Prince of Peace, I want to 
in my little time with you, give you very quickly four things, four peace, four kinds of peace that Jesus is going to bring to us. So Jesus will be called Wonderful Counselor. Jesus will be called Mighty God. Jesus is Everlasting Father. Jesus is Prince of Peace. So the first one is upward peace. Jesus comes when Isaiah prophesies that this Messiah will come. He's going to bring priests. He's coming to bring upward peace. That is, he's going to make peace, help us to make peace with God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German uh, theologian and martyr, he said this. He said, the coming of God is truly not only glad tidings, but first of all, frightening news for everyone who has a conscience. If your moral virtues is still intact, what are you going to do with those things that you've done wrong and you know is wrong, that is constantly nicking you? How are you going to deal with those things? Kill your conscience? But there's a better way. That's where Jesus comes and try to attempt to achieve this upward peace, peace with God. Or Anthony de Mello, an Indian Jesuit priest, Interestingly, play of words, he said, May the peace of God disturb you always. May the peace of God disturb you always because it is Jesus coming to help you to make peace with this God, that the peace of God comes to disturb you until you really find your peace with God. As someone said, No God, no peace. No God, you know peace. The peace of God is first and foremost peace with God because there are a lot of things in our heart and our mind that only by making peace with God that the other things will flow out of that. Romans 5 chapter verse 5 verse 1 say therefore since we have been justified through faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus came to help us to secure making peace with God and we have been justified through faith, not by works, that Jesus Christ did on the cross to make it possible for us to come to God because God is completely holy and He cannot stand any sin. And therefore, we cannot approach God but only through the sinless Christ that died on the cross for us. And therefore, Colossians 1 says, For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Jesus, and through him to reconcile to him all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So the first piece that Jesus came to bring to us is to help us this upward peace, to make peace with God. Martin Luther said, Good news from heaven the angels bring. Glad tidings to the earth they sing. To us this day a child is given to crown us with the joy of heaven. Secondly, when Jesus was called Prince of Peace, 
He not only came to bring us upward peace, but He came to bring us inward peace. Inward peace. Once that is settled, when you make peace with God, then you can experience the peace of God. Inward peace. That so many of us are struggling to grapple with it, isn't it? Uh, we desperately need that inward peace, but it begins when we make peace with God. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Peace I leave with you. You know when Jesus spoke this statement? You know when he made this statement? The day before he died. The day before he died. He said, Peace I leave with you. You know, a tremendous amount of peace. That Jesus had, and therefore he's able to say, Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Our hearts are troubled, our mind often play tricks on us, and many of us stay up awake at night, couldn't sleep because something troubles us, worries. And Jesus is saying, no, when you make peace with God, I'm going to give you peace, peace of God, the inward peace. You know, the, the word peace, shalom, in Hebrew can also mean, literally means to tie up loose ends together into the whole. To tie up loose ends together with the whole. To bring peace is to bring about a weaving together of lives frail ages, molding them back in as part of the whole. It's like weaving. So Jesus is a grand weaver. When you make peace with God, you enjoy peace. He's going to weave everything. Whatever happened to you, you're going to weave everything together into the grand picture. And so when Isaiah claimed that Jesus would be the Prince of Peace, he was claiming that Jesus would be the grand weaver. He promised that the Messiah would, be, would rule over our lives, not in a way that prevents all harm or evil from taking place, but in a way that takes the fragmented pieces and divinely places them as part of the mosaic of our lives. And therefore, we need a Prince of Peace not to prevent all of life's storms, but to bind together all of life's loose ends. So whatever happened, he used it to mold it into his greater end. As Apostle Paul says, isn't it? We know that for all those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. God is weaving his tapestry according to his own grand design. All flesh is in his hands. We have no need to fear. We have no need to worry. Our imperative is to be found doing our duty. Because God is going to use all that to tie up the loose end and weave it together, a beautiful thing. And therefore, you can find peace. You can experience inward peace. You make peace with God. You know God gives you the peace. You can experience peace in your heart. Whatever happens, you know that He's in the picture. He's weaving it into the grand plan. Life with God is not immunity from difficulties, but peace in difficulties. 
True peace comes from knowing that God is in control, that God is the grand weaver, weaving everything together. And so when you know that God is sovereign, God is in charge, God is in control, then there will be no trouble. You will have peace of mind. You make peace with God, you have an inward peace, you experience an upward peace first, and then inward peace, and then thirdly, you can experience an outward peace. We talk so much about being a peacemaker, but all the time, we ourselves have no peace. So how do you give something that you don't have? How do you give something that you don't have? You can't. You probably only add to the issue. So Jesus calls the Prince of Peace, is making an outward peace, inward peace, and then from there it flows out into the outward peace. Therefore Jesus can say, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Peacemaker, not peace breakers, not peace fakers, but peacemaker. Maker is a word, make is a very active word, like you make a cake. It's a very active word. So peace is an active process, not just laid back, don't do anything. Sometimes you almost have to create trouble in order to get peace. I know it's ironic, but true peacemaker goes down to the root of the problems. They deal with the roots of the problem. They don't just sweep things under the carpet. That is not peacemaking. Anthony DiMello said, if it is peace you want, if it is peace you want, seek to change yourself, not other people. It is easier to protect your feet from slippers than to carpet the whole of, whole of the earth. So outward peace comes about when we experience it inward peace. And then we can begin to give peace and make peace, be a reconciler, forgive Get rid of your bitterness, resentment, forgive. You can find peace when you begin to do this. Peace is our gift to one another. Peace is our gift to one another this Christmas. Give the best gift. Give the gift of peace. Peace cannot be kept by force. It can only be achieved by understanding. Forgiveness liberates the soul. It removes fear. That is why it is such a powerful weapon. The scripture tells us as believers to make every effort to live in peace with everyone. In Hebrews chapter 12. Make every effort. And Romans 12, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Sometimes we know it's not possible, but Scripture is, is reasonable enough to say, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So outward peace, that's the best gift we can give this Christmas. Better than a drone or whatever that you may have in your mind. Reconcile. Say, I'm sorry. Say, I forgive you. Say, I release you. 
this Christmas. So upward peace, you experience an inward peace, the peace of God, and then you can be a peacemaker, maker, make, maker. It's not peace faker, maker, make it happen. It's active. Then you can be a peacemaker. And finally, the fourth peace, Prince of Peace that Isaiah prophesies about the coming Messiah, which in the past, 2,000 years ago, is that we can have an onward peace. Yes, there is an onward everlasting peace. Because one day, according to the scripture, one day the Prince of Peace is coming back. Prince of Peace is returning. One day the Lord of Glory, who came as a little baby, was placed in a manger, held in Mary's arm, will return as a reigning Lord on in the clouds. That's what Acts chapter 1, when Jesus was taken into heaven, an angel appeared. And this is what the angel says. After he said this, he was taken up before their eyes, and a cloud hid from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus is returning. That is what scripture says. Jesus is coming to set up a kingdom of peace where the lion will lie down with the lamb, as Isaiah prophesies. The swords will be beaten into plowshares, as Isaiah prophesies. Jesus will keep, as Jesus kept the first promise to come, he will keep the second. And for us here now in 2022, where almost 3,000 years ago, Isaiah prophesied about a coming Messiah, and the Messiah has arrived. 2,000 years has passed, and now for us is looking forward to the second coming. As Jesus kept his the first promise to come, he will keep the second promise that he will return again. So those are the four pieces that I want to leave with you on this Christmas day, that Jesus is a Prince of Peace. He came to give up, secure upward peace, gives you an inward peace so that you can go out to make peace with others, and then you look forward to the onward peace in the future. Let me conclude with this. I was uh, having dinner last night and a couple said, after four years, we finally made our first travel overseas and we went to Japan. Uh, and say, I said, I've been to Japan too, twice. And most people love Japan because it's easy to travel and uh, it's clean, it's safe. Uh, you cannot find rubbish bin on the road. Literally, you cannot find rubbish bin. There's no rubbish bin. You have to take your rubbish. And uh, only toilet, you can find rubbish. And, but 
uh, among other things that we love about Japanese culture and all that, uh, there is an art, Japanese art, called Kintsuge. Kintsuge. This is a Japanese art called Kintsuge, golden joinery. Or Kintsukoroi, means golden repair. It is a centuries-old Japanese art of fixing broken pottery. Rather than rejoin ceramic pieces with a camouflage adhesive, the Kintsuge technique they employs a special three-set lacquer dusted with powdered gold, silver, or platinum over it. And once completed, beautiful seams of gold glean in the conspicuous cracks of ceramic wares, giving a one-of-a-kind appearance to each repair pieces. And this unique method celebrates or treats breakage as repair and repair as part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise. So Kintsuge often makes the repair piece even more beautiful than the original, revitalize it with a new look and giving it a second life. So the broken vessel is put back together in such a way that it is stronger and more beautiful than before it was broken. So in Kintsuge, the scars tell beautiful stories of healing and restoration rather than painful stories of destruction. And I think Christmas is that. Is God came to brought peace to us and mend our life, the broken pieces of our lives, and mend it with gold and make it more beautiful and one of its kind. And that is a Christmas story. Before I close and invite the uh, singers and Sarah to come forward. Uh, if you are new here, um, there is a gift for you. If you are new as in, as in you have not, not heard of Jesus, you have uh, here just a visit, not a regular church goer, we have a, a package for you that you might want to take along and hopefully uh, this Christmas season can help you discover a little bit more about the true meaning of Christmas, of Jesus coming to us. God coming to us in the form of a person to bring us upward peace, inward peace, that you can be a peacemaker and experience a continual onward peace.